0: Alright, good evening everyone. Good evening, good evening. First of all, just to make sure that everyone has both sheets, I apologize. There's one source sheet that has uh, the stapled one that has like the logo on top. It says Lech Lecha, learning to leave. And then there's a separate sheet that just has a capital of Tehillim on it. Tehilim Perek Chafzayin. I'm sorry, the Tehillim sheet didn't make it in time to be uh, included in the regular packet. So there should be, there are extra copies up here and there should be extra copies... By the right by the bima as well. So I apologize for that. But uh, okay, Meretz Hashem. So let's, let's begin. So, first, I want to begin by thanking Mrs. Miriam Engelsberg for dedicating tonight's cheer in honor of the birth of two grandchildren Hillel, born to Avram, David, and Esther Rosenbaum, and Shalom, born to Mayor Aryeh and Hannah Dinovitz. So, these are Mrs. Engelsberg, great, Mrs. Engelsberg's great grandchildren. So, Baruch Hashem, be Zilcha, Meretz Hashem. To see beautiful Doros of Yiddish Shonim Tovos. And of course, it goes without saying that we dedicate our learning tonight in the Zuchus of the holy soldiers of the Israel Defense Forces who have, the, on one hand, the incredible privilege on behalf of all of humanity to wipe out evil, to wipe out the worst kind of evil that. I think the world has seen in the last century. We hope that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives them incredible siyat to be successful in their mission and to come back to their families b'shalom. And of course to our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael who are weathering incredibly difficult and overwhelming times, HaKadosh Baruch Hu should give them the oz, the gvura, and the optimism and the hope to weather the challenges in the days ahead. So I want to begin tonight, actually, first with the capital of Tehillim. So we're going to begin tonight with Kapitel Khafzain. We're going a little bit out of order in our in our years of doing Sefer Tehillim. So we've kind of gone a little bit all over the place. The truth is, I wanted to go back to Parak Chavzayim, partially because Parak Chavzayim is L'David Hashem Ori which is a capital of Tehillim that we have been saying for or we were saying for the entire duration of Chodesh Avul up through up through Shmini and I want to draw your attention specifically specifically to one particular posik in this in this capital. But maybe just before we get started, we'll just take a few moments. Everyone could recite this capital and just have in mind that Amirzashem, this capital, Art Philos Art Shemir be fall of Klali im takhne alai ma khana laira li bi intakuma alai ma khama bazos ani batrak achash shartim eis adonai o savakis shifti bewais adonai khaymay khayai lagsos binoma adonai davakr bekhalo kis binay bisuka bioma ayastireni bisisra Ohalo Bitsur romani vi atha yarum roshi alai vai svi o sai ve asbaha ba ashira V'az Zamra Ladonai. Shema Adonai Koli, Ekro, V'chanini, V'anini. L'cha'a Amar bi bakshu panai es panekha Adonai Avakish. Al tas ter panekhi mani atat pa'af avdecha. Deha rasiya yisa al ticheni v'al ta'azveni elohi Ki avi v'iimi azavuni v'adonai ya'azveni. Horeni Adonai Darkeha unnikhini baorach mishro Lamancho Rai Al t'etneni b'nfesh tzerai ki kamo b'eide shakar b'evaa khamas. Wallaha amanti leros betuv adonai betar cave kaveh ala donai chazak bi amitsli bacha de kaveh ala donai achinu kobeis israel hanesun bat sala u vashviah umdin bayam u bein baya basha hama kom yrachim alayhem bi otsem itzar de bacha u meafil la olah u me shibla kariv evnomar u so i'll draw your attention to one particular passage in here which is the phrase, Ki avi vi'imi v'azavuni v'hashem ya'asveini. David HaMelech says many profound things in Sefer Tehillim. Remember again, so those, those of you who have been coming to the Tehillim Shire, and it's different, and it's different locations, different forms throughout the years, knows that, that generally, the way to introduce Sefer Tehillim is just to introduce David HaMelech. What was the most unique thing about David HaMelech? What would you say the most unique thing about David HaMelech? When you picture David HaMelech, right, what do you picture him with? A harp, right? Everyone always answers the harp. Right? I guarantee you, David Melch didn't spend more than four minutes with a harp. Right? <laughs> David Melach spent most of his life with a sword. David Melch was a warrior. He was a warrior king. He was a warrior. Again, it was his defeat of Goliath, of Goliath that ultimately, again, led him on the fast, tra- fast track to the monarchy. And David Melch saw a massive expansion of the territory of Eretz Israel. David Melch was a fierce warrior. What's incredible about that is that even though David Meir was a sort of fierce warrior, one would think all of that battle, all of that bloodshed would harden a person. You no, know, that's, that's what war does. War hardens people. You know, if you look in Parashas Pinchas, after Pinchas goes ahead and kills Zimri and Kazbi, right? Remember, again, Torah tells us about the terrible immorality that happened between the Jewish men and the Midianite women. So Pinchas takes action and he kills Zimri and Kazbi. Remember again, what's his reward? What's his reward for ultimately, again, killing Ziri and Chazbi? Anyone remember what's his reward? Hineni no lo es brisi shalom. So the Mefarshim asked, it's so interesting, Pinchas just killed people. I'll keep this right, he, he killed people to prevent tchil Hashem, the of God's name. Why is he given brisi shalom? Why is he given into the covenant, covenant of peace? And the truth is on a very simple level, because taking life, even if it's warranted, even if it's warranted, changes a person. You know, there's a whole discussion in Halacha, if a Kohen who kills someone is allowed to dochen. allowed to dochen. The concept of taking life, even if warranted, fundamentally changes an individual. What's so incredible about Dover and Melech is that despite the fact that he spent so much of his life waging war, waging battles he never lost his sensitivity. David HaMelech remained the sensitive soul, David HaMelech remained a sensitive heart, literally again to the end of his life, despite again having gone through so much in life, and literally, literally, having shed so much blood, waging battles on behalf of Cloud Yisrael. So Davra HaMelech, you know, he's introduced to us as the warrior. He's also introduced to us as ruddy complexion, a reddish complexion. Also again, Chazal, understand, who else has a reddish ruddy complexion? Esav, which is symbolic of bloodshed, because both Esav and David shed blood. Esav shed blood for absolutely no reason, for corrupt, morally bankrupt reasons. David HaMelech shed blood ultimately, again, for the benefit and advancement of Cloud Yisrael. But there's one other unique feature of David HaMelech, which is incredible, that you'll never find described to any other man in Tanakh, and that is his eyes. David Melech is described as Yefe'e Naim. Beautiful eyes. In Tanakh, beautiful eyes are a feminine quality. The first time that we find someone described by beautiful eyes is? Rachel is not defined by beautiful eyes. Rachel is defined as a beautiful woman. Right? Beautiful looks. Leah, Leah, the Pasuk says, Eine Leah Rakos. The eyes of Leah were soft. So the truth is, Part of the problem, part of the problem is we often learn Chumash, we learn text with the parish of Rashi kind of interwoven into it. So we all know the thing. It's Rashi, What does it mean? Leah's eyes were soft. Leah's eyes were soft means she was always crying. Right? Because remember again, people used to say that that Rivka has two sons, Lovan has two daughters, the oldest to the oldest, the youngest to the youngest. So Rivka from the time that she was uh, sorry, so Leah from the time that she was a little girl was always told who is she gonna marry? Esav. Esau, not exactly Prince Charming, right? Not exactly right—the man of her dreams. So she cries. But I want to point out something amazing. Rashi is the only commentary who says "enele arakos" means that her eyes were like puffy from crying. All Vilma Farshim say "enele arakos" means Leia had the most beautiful and exquisite eyes. That whereas Rachli Menu was very pretty, that Rachli Meno was, was a beautiful woman. Leah had a distinct quality that her sister did not have. Leah had beautiful eyes. You know the phrase that the eyes are the window to the soul? So I think it really comes from Leah Imenu. The Torah is telling us that when you looked at Leah I mean, you looked at her eyes, you saw there's something deep in this woman. There's something, and there is. Leah Imenu, out of all of the emos, probably possessed the greatest amount of strength. She had to go through a lot in life. She had incredible difficulties in her married life. And yet, again, kept her eye ultimately on the mission. The mission of ultimately bringing about her share, which turned out to be half of the Shvatim. It's fascinating that many generations later, Leah Imenu's great, 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 great grandson, a young man by the name of David, is defined in the same way. That David ultimately, again, is, defined, is is described, not defined, described as yife'enayim, beautiful eyes. Why is David HaMelech described as beautiful eyes? Because again, we know this, you know, sometimes you look into someone, like we were saying, just saying before, the eyes being the window to the soul, the idea being that sometimes you could look into a person's eyes and you could see the depth of their neshama. The greatness of David HaMelech was not just in what you saw. The greatness in David HaMelech is what you didn't see as well. You looked into David Amelech's eyes, just like you looked into Leah Imenu's eyes, and you saw this is a person who possessed many layers of depth, much incredible profundity. And I think that the, the depth of David Amelech comes out in Sefer Tehillim. You know, most of us say Tehillim, and we don't learn Tehillim. Now, by the way, that's not a bad thing. I've often, I often find that sometimes... When is Tehillim, it's going to sound strange, but when is Tehillim most powerful? When is the most powerful? Times of trouble, absolutely. When else? Personally, I have found that sometimes film is most powerful, dafka, when you don't know what you're saying. You see, Tehillim is the process by which like, I throw myself into HaKadosh It's Hu. It's whatever it is that's going on. But often again, Tehillim is my go-to when I'm overwhelmed, and I throw myself into him. You know, you ever have it when a person, either you were the child who went to the parent, or if, if you have children, if your child comes to you, your child gets hurt. You ever have one of those conversations where the child is just like sobbing, goes like something, right? Or if you have teenagers, right? Again, so, so either, either of those two, and it just, the sobbing, the sobbing, you have no idea what the child is saying. No idea what the child is saying. But yet again, what is the child doing? The child also knows that he or she is totally incomprehensible. But what is the child doing? The child is just throwing themselves into the parent. I know that my words don't make any sense. But at the end of the day, I need you in this moment. And this is how I'm connecting with you. Sometimes the power in Tehillim is not that you read a phrase and like, wow, the meaning of that phrase really speaks to me. Sometimes the power in Tilim is, I actually don't know what David Amalekh is talking about over here. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because this is the language through which I converse with my father, specifically in times of incredible and overwhelming difficulty. We're so used to thinking that in order for something to be impactful, you have to understand it. But in fact, that's not necessarily true. I think as we get older, we recognize that sometimes it's dafka the things that we don't understand that often move us to our core. So David and Melech, when you look at Sefer Tehillim, you're looking into the eyes of David al-Melech, which means that there's multiple levels of understanding and multiple levels of appreciation. So to me, one of the most gripping psukim in all of Sefer Tehillim is this pasuk that we have over here. So if you look in source number one, again, this is in the single sheet just of Sefer Tehillim. So I underline for you, Pasek Yud. Pasuk Yud. There are sheets, if anyone needs, there are sheets over here by the Bima as well. So if you look at pasuk Yud, David says, Ki avi Literally translated, my mother and my father have forsaken me, have left me, but Hashem gathers me. Hashem gathers me. So what does this mean? What, what, what is David HaMelech talking about when he speaks about being forsaken by his parents? So I'll show you a couple of the Mepharshan. Take a look at number two. So the Malbum says, Mam shil es So the Malbum says, David HaMelech is not saying anything literal. He's speaking metaphorically. He is comparing himself to an orphan. To an orphan who has no parents. So what happens when an orphan has no parents? When a person has no parents, so they have no one to rely on but HaKadosh Baruch So David HaMelech is saying, what Davod seems to be saying is that, Sometimes in life, sometimes in life, I feel like an orphan. Sometimes in life, I feel like I have no one else that I could lean on. No one else that I could depend on, except for you, ribono shel olam. Now, the truth is, there's a lot to speak about with this, because there's a lot to speak about with David HaMelech's home life and his family life. Remember, David HaMelech did not come from an easy upbringing. I'll just reference you one story, right? You remember again, Shaul is the sitting king. Shaul fails to wipe out Amalek and as a result, Chesh tells Shmuel Hanavi, go and appoint a new king. Shmuel says, okay, who am I appointing? So remember again, Chesh says to Shmuel, go to the family of Yishai. One of Yishai's sons is going to become king. become king. Fine. So what happens? So he goes to the house of Yishai, says, Yishai, I'd like to meet your sons. Yishai lines up his sons, and Yishai's sons were like strong, valiant warriors, and Shmuel's looking through each of them, right? One, two, three, keeps going, 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 and each time, each time, so HaKadosh Baruch says, no, not him, not him, not him, not him. They're at the end of the line. So what happens? So Shmuel says to Yishai, Yishai, do you have any more sons? What does Yishai say? What does Yishai say? Yishai says, no. Yishai says, no. Shmuel says, are you sure? (laughs) To which Yishai says, oh yeah. Oh yeah, there's one more, but you don't really need to meet him because he's not the one you're looking for. Can you imagine growing up in a home where you are the forgotten child? Where you are the marginalized child. Where you are the oh yeah. Member of the family. Oh yeah forgot about you. Forgot about you. That's David HaMelech. We're going to come back to that in just a little bit. That, that, that's David HaMelech. So just understand the pain of that, of that upbringing. Which you know. Never goes away. Never goes away. Freud wasn't the first person who understood that our relationship with our parents fundamentally frames the trajectory of our lives going forward. Chazal understood this long before Freud ever existed. right? David HaMelech's entire persona is forged by this feeling of being the outsider of his own family. So the Malbum says over here that when David HaMelech says, David HaMalch wasn't or- wasn't orphaned, he was an orphan. He had a mother. He had a father. But the Mahab says, sometimes, you know what? Sometimes I feel like an orphan. Sometimes I feel like I have no one in this world to rely on but you. The Metsudah Dovid number three, right? So over here, according to the Metsudah Stavid, says things like this. You know, as much as parents try, parents... Can't always give children everything that they need. You know, I think as we get older, sometimes young people, I can now say, I'm old enough, I could talk about young people. Right? So, you know, young people sometimes are very upset or resentful at their parents because they feel that their parents did not do a good job in raising them. My parent wasn't there for me. My parent didn't love me. And I think something interesting happens as we get older, which is maybe they really didn't do a good job. It's possible. But I recognize... They didn't do a good job, not because they didn't want to do a good job. But remember again, you only know what you know. You only know what you know. So parents were also brought up in a home, and maybe their parents didn't know what they were doing either. So they learned to parent dysfunctional parenting from dysfunctional parents. And then how do I know how to parent? The same way my parents parented me. That, that, that's the way. So, the Messiah says, good parents, bad parents, Almost no parent is able to give their child everything that they need in order to be successful. Ki avi azavuni. The B'suwah David says, My parents sometimes leave me without giving me everything I need to succeed in life. But here's the good news. Whatever my parents don't give me, either knowingly or unknowingly, The beautiful part is there's always someone else who steps into that parental role, and that's a Kaddish Baruch, who always makes up the deficit. The Radak says over here, number skip to number five for just a moment, right? Actually, the writes over here, Ki avi Mi, Shayusibos Boy Baolam Haya, hazeh Azavuni Bemosam. So again the Ebenezer says it's much simpler, Darmaf was saying at some point in time, everyone's parents leave them. Right. remember again the natural order of the world which we hope is the normal order of the world is that children bury parents and Ebrech HaSosholm the opposite so David Amach says according to Eben Ezra David is not lamenting anything he's just talking about the normal trajectory of life that very often what happens is my parents leave me and often they leave me while I feel I still need them I, I'm not ready to say goodbye I'm not ready to let go there's still more support, there's more that I need but David Amal, what's the consolation? Even when my parents leave me. And lastly, the Radaq says, and this is incredible. Sometimes, when I think my parents left me, I didn't, they didn't really leave me. I left them. I left them. And sometimes, you leave your parents, right? And you're not really fully prepared to embrace the world to live successfully. But the good news is even if a person took leave of the nest a little too early and didn't get everything they need in order to be successful in life, HaKadosh Baruch comes along and helps out the child. All different interpretations of what David HaMelech is trying to say. Is it metaphorical? Is it David HaMelech speaking about his own feeling of being forsaken by his parents and being marginalized? All different interpretations. Pause this for a moment, pause this for a moment, and now go to the other sheet. So I want to show you something amazing from this week's parasha, that I think ties into this capital of Tehillim. So remember again, this week you have the incredible privilege read parashas Lech Lecha. And Lech Lecha, the truth is, is one of the most exciting parashios, for the simple reason that Lech Lecha, you know, the beginning of the journey of Avram Avinu, is the journey that we are still on today, right? The journey began with Avram Avinu, and it's still going on. When does it end? It ends when Mashiach comes. It's the longest journey in the history of man. It begins with two words. And each and every one of us are still engaged in it today. So remember, again, looking at number one. Avram, go for yourself from your land, from your birthplace, from the house of your father. To the land that I will show you. So, What we're going to try to discover over here is what was the purpose of this journey, right? What was it exactly that Avram Avinu was trying? What what what, what's what's the goal? What what was the purpose of Lech Lecha? Remember again, especially if you go with the idea that Avram Avinu was given ten tests, and according to many, Lech Lecha was the first of the ten tests. Some say it was the second. Some say it was the first. But according to almost everyone, it's reckoned as part of the ten tests. So the question is, what was the nature of the test? What is it that in, what is it that is trying to accomplish with this particular lech Lecha endeavor? So the Medrash says in number two something beautiful. The Medrash says, Avin Plaiton Hanasuna Be'Sakvarus Velo Haya Adam So the Medrash gives an example. Imagine for a moment a person has a, a fragrant flask of perfume but the perfume is sitting in the cemetery so what happens no one's ever going to no one's ever going to smell it no one's ever going to enjoy the fragrance so what has to happen so you need someone to go into the cemetery take the take the take the perfume uncork it or whatever the proper term is you know open it up and allow the fragrance to waft so that everyone could be able to appreciate it so the merchant understands that says i like, you've discovered something what did Armavino discover what did he discover what did he discover? He discovered a Kadish Parahu. He discovered that there is one God in the Remember again, Aram Avinu isn't Jewish, right? There's no one who's Jewish. Avram Vinu is a monotheist. He was the first monotheist. He's the father effectively of monotheism. So Avram has just discovered something absolutely amazing. What's the problem? What's the problem? What's the problem? No one else knows about it. It's only Avram, it's only Avram, Sefer Baruch, who says, Lech Lecha, go and share the great treasure that you have discovered. Go and share it. You've discovered something amazing that is transformative that will forever change the trajectory of mankind. But if you stay here and work constant, right? If you stay where you are, which was a capital of idolatrous activity, no one cares what you have to say, right? What? It's, it's interesting, by the way, Aram was also peripheralized, right? Aram was also marginalized. Remember, again, Aram has that, you know, that little tiff with his father, where his father has him thrown into a furnace, you know, a little whatever. Every, every family has its stuff, right? So, so you, you know, you want to talk, it's just, it's just not a topic for tonight. But it is fascinating to see how often great people deal with familial marginalization, how often great people deal with fam- familial dysfunction. Great people rarely come from totally normal families. And again, we're gonna see, we're gonna see why that why that is such a dynamic. In any event, so what happens to the She says, Avram? In Ur custom, you're a no one. You're a pariah. You're a nothing. Your father's rejected you. Your family's rejected you. Society has rejected you. You're holding this beautiful flask of theological perfume, and meanwhile, no one appreciates it at all. So therefore, go. Go spread the word. Go spread the gospel, so to speak. Go ahead and show humanity what it is that you have. So that's the Midrashic approach. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, in number three takes a different approach, and this is absolutely beautiful. The rabbi writes as follows. It's a longer piece, we're not going to do all of it, but I put it on the sheet so you can, you can take a look at it later on. So Rabbi Nachman writes as follows. He says, Rabbi Nachman says something absolutely beautiful. Abin Nachman says, Lech Lecha means, go and find yourself. The journey of Lech Lecha is a journey of self-discovery. The journey of Lech Lecha, I see this is interesting, the Medrash understands that Lech Lecha is not really for Avram. According to the Medrash, Lech Lecha is is for who? For the world, for society, go and show society the beauty of the theological treasure you've discovered. Ben says, "No, it's not for society, or, or it is for society, but that's actually not the primary beneficiary." You know who Lech Lecha is really for? Lech Lecha is for Avram. It's for himself. Lech Lecha, go and find you. If you skip to the left-hand column in number three, in the second paragraph down, Vezel Lech Lecha, Hainu. Sheteilech lecha laatzmicha. Go and find yourself. Daheinu laatsem haemes shelcha. Go and find the MS. What is your core truth? What is your personal truth? Rabbi Nachman says something so beautiful. The journey of lechlecha is the journey to the ani. To who am I? Whom? Am I? You know, it's an interesting question. If somebody were to ask you, "Who are you?" Right? Imagine somebody asks you. You ask a person, "Who are you?" How do most people self define? How do people self define? Oh, that's a tricky question in today's day and age. Right? How people self define? Right? How, right? How do most people self define? Career. How else? Familial relations. Right. In other words, son, daughter, mother, father, brother, sister. Right. What's interesting is what's interesting is that's. Not who I am. Those are, those are aspects of my persona. In other words, what I do for a living is important because the truth is like I spend a lot of time doing it. So hopefully I do something meaningful and hopefully again it is part of my greater life mission. Who I'm related to, who, who, who's my child, who's my parent, who's my spouse, who's my sibling, all important things. But that's not a knee. Th- th- those are parts of my persona. But who, who am I? What is my identity? In other words, if you were to strip away all of those things, career, relationships, and I'm standing by myself, standing by myself, so who am I? What do I represent? What do I stand for? What are my core life values? What am I willing to give in for? And what am I willing to fight for? Who am I? So Rabbi Nachman says something so profound, Avram, A tremendous shkoyach that you discovered me, and it's fantastic. Now, this is incredible. Now that you've discovered me, God, you know what the next mission is? Discover you. You found me, God. Now find you. Who is Avram? Who is Avram? Who is Avram? No, no, no. Don't tell me you're Sarai's husband. No, no, no. Don't tell me you're Lot's uncle, right? I don't. Don't tell me that you're Terach's father. Lech lecha. Who is Avram? Who are you at your core? What is your ani? When I when I speak about the I, who am I? What do I stand for? What do I believe in? And what are my core values? Rabbi Nachman goes on in number four. So this is incredible. Now. What's interesting about the journey of self-discovery, and, and this is really, I, I feel that the profundity of this cannot be overstated because understand, the Torah is not a storybook. So therefore, whenever the Torah does tell me stories, why does the Torah tell me stories? Why do I know? Why why the stories? Right? Because again, every story either has a moral, legal, or ethical lesson. It is not an accident that the first Thing we are told about Avram Avinu is nothing to do with his spiritual heroism. right? Remember again, as I mentioned before, we know the story with Avram Avinu being thrown into the Kifshon the fiery furnace. But remember again, that's a medrash. That's a medrash. Of course, it's a medrash. Medrash is important, but it's not the psukim. The first thing the Torah tells us about Avram Avinu is Lech Lecha, which is the Ribona Shal Olam telling us that the journey of self-discovery is one of the most important journeys that each of us have to take. Which then begs the obvious question, which is, which is, maybe not so obvious question. <laughs> Why don't most of us take the journey of self-discovery? I, I, I'm not a betting man, but I would bet that if somebody stopped you on the way out, I mean, not right now. Let's see you left right now. So who are you? I guarantee you most of us would be hard-pressed to actually identify who the inner Ani is. Again, career, I could tell you. Relationships, I could tell you. My, uh, my involvements, I, I could tell you. All the stuff that I do, I could tell you. No, 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 I don't want to know all that. Who are you? I would venture to say there'd be a lot of humming and uh ba ba, uh, Like, you know, how like when you answer a question by not answering it, right? There'd be like a lot of circular statements because the truth is most of us, haven't really gone on the journey of self-discovery. So now we have this incredible asymmetrical reality. The first thing the Torah teaches us is about the need for self-discovery. And yet the one thing most of us never end up doing is self-discovery. So why not? What are we afraid of? What is it that we're avoiding? Or maybe better stated, what's the obstacle? The self-discovery. So Rabbi Nachman says in number four, this is incredible. So now, now that's the lech lecha. Now, the next part, of course, in the positive, the Mefarshim tackle, we'll bring this all together in just a moment. The next part that the Mefarshim tackle is the concept of Abram, He doesn't just say to Arum lech lecha but rather he says, arzicha from your land, moladetcha, your birthplace, be'is your father's home. And all of the Mepharshim deal with the same basic issue, which is, it seems to be repetitive. Just tell him, Lech lecha, And I got it. Why the need to identify your land, your birthplace, and the house of your father. Look at number four. Rabbi Nachman says something absolutely amazing. Number four, he says, V'zeu, Lech Ki kama gadalba. So listen to this. Rabbi Nachman says, Do you know why so often in life we don't engage in the journey of self-discovery? It's because often who we are is so clouded and eclipsed by external influences. So what's the first external influence? Artzicha, artzicha, where you grow up, where you grow up, the community you grow up in, the friends you have, those are influences. Sometimes they're good influences. Sometimes they're not such good influences. That's Eretzichah. Next, Rabbi Nachman says, Next, he says, um, I'm sorry, Eretzichah, Actually, if you skip a little bit, if you skip a little bit to the left-hand column, Eretzichah, he says, He says, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Good. He's Eretzichah, Shiish V'achoshech, Mitzad So he says, Moladetcha means your innate predispositions. Moladetcha means the things that you're born with. The things that you're born with, right? We are all born with certain proclivities. We're all born with certain innate desires. And we're all born with certain predispositions. But just because I'm born a certain way, doesn't mean that I have to accept that as my reality going forward. So moladitcha means the ability, or moladcha means the recognition that yes, I am, each of us are born with certain strengths and certain deficits. We're born with certain advantages and certain disadvantages. And lastly, me be from your father's home. What is your father's home in the It says last line in source number four. Shumishpahto. Look, look what Rabbi Nachman writes. Kiesh Kamashtusim Turn the page. Shinidbak bo mitzad mishpachto. The says, listen, listen to this phrase. In every family, the Rebbe says, there are shtusim u Wow. What are shtusim? Shtusim? Nonsense. Foolishness. Shkarim? Shkarim? Lies. Falsehoods. In every family, there's foolishness and there are falsehoods. In other words, what we have to learn to accept in life is, you, you know, everybody has like that family they look at and they're like, oh, that's the perfect family. I know a lot about people's families <laughs> and even the people you think are perfect. Everyone has their shkarim and shtusim. Everyone. I include the Silber family in that as well. Everyone has their shkarim and shtusim because we're people. We're people. We're human beings. So, of course, we're going to, ev- oh right, we, we become very skilled at putting forward a wonderful image. And that's important. There's no need to air your dirty laundry, right? There's no need to put your shkarim and shtusim, you know, on display for everyone else to see. But rest assured, Rabbi Nachman says, everyone has it. What the Rebbe is highlighting over here is we all know you don't choose the family that you are born into, right? And how many times does it happen? You know, person's brought up in a certain way. And you think, hey, okay, this is my family, it's normal. And then one day you discover that it's not, right? <laughs> and then in fact, again, a lot of this stuff was not normal. And actually, that's not the way a husband and a wife should interact. And that's not the way to raise kids. And that's not the way a Shabbos table should look. And that's not the way a lack of discipline should be. And suddenly, again, like my eyes are open. that, wow, all the stuff that I thought was normal is not so normal. And it's okay, it's okay, because we're human beings. So all of us, all of us have some level of dysfunction. Again, some people have higher levels, some people have lower levels, but everyone has some amount of shkarim and shtusim going on in their family. So Rabbi Nachman says something so beautiful. He says, so what was that Kaddish Baruch was telling Avram Avinu? What was he telling him? Avram, Avram? you are about to engage in the most incredible journey. You found me, now lech lecha, find you. But in order to be able to find yourself, what do you need to do? You need to be able to transcend, to lift yourself out of the lot of the things which color your personal life experience. So specifically for Avram you have to leave Artsakhah. The society that you're in. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. You got, you got to get out of it. You're not... You don't have the right neighbors. You don't have the right chevra. You don't have the right influence. You got to take yourself out of that. <laughs> you have certain dispositions, certain proclivities, certain inclinations that you are born with. Fight against them. Fight against them. Don't surrender to them. Again... Just to be clear, the ribamo shal olam creates us, creates us with challenges. You know, sometimes like we struggle with something. It's very important. Sometimes, you know, when we struggle with something, we think that that's symptomatic, that something is broken inside of me. As if like, it's abnormal that I struggle with this. If I was a healthy, spiritually healthy person, I wouldn't have any struggles. No, a person who doesn't struggle, you know what we call them? You know what we call them? Dead, right? Well said, right? When you're dead, you don't struggle with anything. If you're alive, by definition, you are always struggling, and it doesn't mean something's broken. It just means you're human. You know, I I have to just an aside. We spend so much time trying to fix everything that is broken because, in our mind, we have like this fallacy that I'm supposed to be whole and I shouldn't have anything that's broken. Everyone I say is broken. Everyone does. That's part of the human condition. So what's my job? My job is I shouldn't resign myself to the broken kite. Don't resign yourself to it. Keep fighting. Am I going to fix it? Maybe yes, maybe no. And chances are, you know what happens when you fix one thing? Right? You discover something else is broken. Right? It's kind of like you know, like fixing up your house. Right, You start out with one thing, and then oh, once we're doing this, let's do this. Once we're doing this, let's do this. And, you know, Because again, this, so you fix yourself, you fix yourself, great, you fix up one area, then again, this is broken, that's broken. So Kishparach says, Avram, you don't have to be perfect, but you have to leave moladitcha. Too many times in life we walk around saying, well, this is who I am, this is who I am, love it or leave it, this is what created in me. Right? How many times have you heard people say, like, you know, who have, a, who have a short temper. I can't help it. I just have a short temper. Right? I have a short fuse. What? That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't make any... Okay, it could be, by the way, there are people who do have a lower threshold for kas. There are people who anger more easily. Okay, so what's my job if I anger easily? Fight back against that. That's molad so Avram, you, you want to discover who you are? Number one, you got to get out of your, you got to get out of your physical strength because it's not the right influence. Number two, don't resign yourself to saying that just because you were created a certain way, that that's it. This is the totality of who I am. If there's something that's broken, fight back against it. And lastly, <laughs> Avram, you have a dysfunctional family. Avram, you have a dysfunctional family. And therefore, you need to distance yourself from them. You know, one of the parts that the Torah obscures out of Kavat Avram Avinu is that Avram Avinu left behind an elderly father. When you look at the Psukim, the way the Psukim reads is it looks like Terach died and then Avram goes on Lech Lecha. But the last Rashi Noach says that's not the case. So Terach began the journey with them. Kedush Baruch Hu says Avram Lech Lecha you cannot travel with your father. It's not the right influence for you. It's, he, the, he is tethering you to something that is part of your toxic past and it's not healthy for you. You need it. Avraham Avinu left behind an elderly father. Now the difference with Armavinu is is that who told them to do it. That, that was the difference. That was the difference. But Rabbi Nachman says, this is an incredibly profound idea. Sometimes there's toxicity in my family. And again, Obviously, we're speaking in very general terms and one should not walk away from this shear with any specific guidance for how to deal with difficult familial situations because each of them are different. But sometimes a person does have to distance themselves even from family because sometimes there is such toxicity. Sometimes there is such negativity. Sometimes the relationship itself is so profoundly unhealthy that it's holding me back from my journey of self-discovery. Says Rabbi Nachman, absolutely incredible. This is what the Shabbat was saying, you've discovered me. If you now want to discover you, three things you need to do. You have to leave your physical surroundings. You're not in the right chavra. You have to leave. Ultimately, again, don't resign yourself to the things that are broken and you remaining broken. Fight back against them. And Avram for you, your relationship with your extended family is unhealthy. You're going to have to leave that behind as well. And in fact, if you take a look at number six, I'm going to skip to Rebbe for now. I just, just Baba Rebbe says something very similar to Rabbi Nachman, but go to number six. I wanted to show you this piece by, by Rabbi Sachs, Zichron of And Rabbi Sachs, this is one of my favorite pieces of Rabbi Sachs. He writes as follows. He quotes over here, the me. He quotes from, and I put for you a little, a little biography on the last page of Karl Marx, Baruch de Spinoza and Sigmund Freud. Those are the three people that three people that Rabbi Sachs is going to quote right now. Look what he writes. He says Marx said that man is a product of social forces themselves shaped by the interests of the ruling class, the owners of property, which the most significant is land. So what happens? So again, so the, the whole like hashkaf of Karl Marx is that ultimately again. So there, there is a privileged class and there is a suppressed class. And if you're part of the suppressed class, again, then that's it. Like your fate is sealed. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, was arguing on Karl Marx and said, Meartzicha, Meartzicha. Societal factors cannot determine who and what you are. Only you determine who and what you are. In other words, don't allow the social realities around you to shape your identity. Spinoza, he said, said that man is made by innate instincts and biological drives given by birth, positing a genetic determinism. Again, you're programmed a certain way. However, the program is written. That's who you are. That's what you are. And pretty much, there's no bechira. There's no choice to refute that. A Baruch who says, "Leave your." I'm sorry. Leave the circumstances of your birth. Molate tcha. Very similar to Rabbi Nachman. And lastly. Freud said that we are who we are because of the traumas of childhood, the influence of our early years, our relationship and rivalries with our parents, especially our father. Right? So Freud said anything and everything you're ever going to be is fundamentally rooted in your relationship with your parents. If you had a good relationship, good for you. If you had a bad relationship, sorry, life is over. So what does Chash Baruch say? Leave your father's home. And Rabbi Sachs goes on. He says, this is incredible. He said freedom is not a given of the human situation like other distinctive achievements of the spirit, art, literature, music, poetry in needs training, discipline, apprenticeship, the most demanding routines and the most painstaking attention to detail. No one composed a great novel or, sympo- or symphony without years of preparation. That is why most theories of human behavior are simply false. They claim that, that, that we are either free or not. Either we have a choice or our behavior is causally determined. Freedom is not an either or. It's a process. It begins with dependence and only slowly, gradually does it become liberty. The ability to stand back from the pressures and influences upon us and act in response to educated conscious judgment, wisdom, moral literacy. In short, a journey, Avraham's journey. That is the deep meaning. So again, besides it's the same as Rabbi Nachman, which is incredible. The same as Rabbi Nachman. That what is Cheshpachot saying Avram? So Lech lecha, go and journey to yourself. But how do you begin that journey? That journey doesn't begin about, okay, I'm going to find the new me. I'm going to find the new me. That journey first begins with the courage to go ahead and let go of the things that often hold us back. The things that define us without us. The ability to say, how difficult is it in life to know? Sometimes I have people, friends, and you know what? They're not the right friends. I love them. They're wonderful. They're not the right friends. They're not the right influence. Sometimes I'm involved in greater social circles, right? The people are just not talking about the right things. They're not conducting in themselves in a way that... Good people, often people just don't know. Good people, that's artzicha. That's artzicha. Am I surrounding myself in life with the right influences? Or am I allowing myself to become personally, personalistically held captive by the negative influences around me? Moladitcha. We so often resign ourselves to say, this is who I am. I was born this way. The Akash Baruch programmed me this way. I've tried so many times to change, and I can't change. It could be you tried so many times, and it didn't work. You know what the answer to that is? What's the answer to that? Yeah. Try again. Keep trying. Here's the great news. In the eyes of Akash Baruch success is never determined by the outcome. Success is always determined by the amount of effort. That's moladetcha. Sometimes, for whatever the reason, families don't always give the right level of influence and support to a child or to anyone else. And sometimes a person, again, and, and I want to be clear, and we're speaking in very general terms. Sometimes a person has to disassociate. And by the way, I want to point out that disassociating from family comes in different ways. There are maybe, maybe there are extreme situations where a person literally can't be with family. But then there are other times where you cognitively disassociate. Meaning what? I recognize that I love my family very much, but I also realize they're not Normal. They're not normal. Right? In other words, and I don't mean that like in a disparaging way, just they're not healthy. I love them. I'm going to spend time with them. I'm going to be with them. But cognitively, that's not right. That's not the way to do it. That's not the way to be married. That's not the way to raise kids. That's not the way to interact. That's not the way to do it. I love them. They're wonderful. It's not malicious. But there has to be sometimes like a little bit of like a cognitive detachment from it. So, if you want to discover who you are, you need to free yourself from the outside influences that bring you down. And only once you find the courage to let go of those things that bring you down, will you truly be able to make the journey of self-discovery. But if you hold on to maoladetcha beisadicha, you're going nowhere. Now again, just to be clear, Avram Avinu needed to go in and detach from all three of these things. I think Baruch Hashem for most of us, we don't usually need to detach from all three of these things. Right? But usually we have at least one out of three. Right? Usually there's one out of three. Right? Innate predispositions, behaviors, wants, desires, lusts, family. One of those three things usually is bogging us down or holding us back in some way in life. And the journey of Avmavina, the journey of, to the self, requires us to identify what is it that's holding me back and find the courage to let go and move forward. If we go full circle, go back to the Tehillim sheet for just a moment. Perhaps, perhaps, this is what David HaMalach was saying in the phrase, Ki avi vi'imi azavuni va'ashem ya'asveini. You see, there's another way to look at aviv v'imi, right? What's the way to look at parents? If you take a look at number six on the Tehillim sheet, which is like the separate independent one sheet. So if you look at number six, the Gemara says, Ten Rabbanon, shlosha ba'adam. There are three partners in the creation of a person, right? HaKadosh Baruch the ribon God, aviv v'imo, a father and a mother. Father and the mother. So remember again, a father and a mother, they contribute the guf, they contribute the body. And ultimately, again, the ribonoshololom contributes the neshama. So there's something interesting about this gemar. The fact that the gemar, this, happens, see, this gemar is talking about the whole mitzvah of Kippur Ava'im, of honoring parents. And to understand the profundity of the mitzvah of Avaim is that when one honors parents, it's like you're honoring the olam. But Conversely, when one disrespects parents, it's as if you're disrespecting Hashbarucho because parents and God are all, so to speak, equal partners in the creation of man. What's interesting to note is as follows. When we look at the part that HaKadosh Baruch Hu contributes, the neshama, the neshama, ultimately again, the neshama is something internal. The truth is, avi v'imi could also represent not just parents, but the other pieces of my life that I have internalized. What are the pieces in my life that I internalize? Artzacha, my external surroundings become internalized. Mola my internal wants, predispositions, proclivities, internalized. Beis my relationship with my parents, all internalized. So what does David HaMalech say? Ki avi vi'imi azavuni. Perhaps what David HaMalech is saying is, do you know I've been successful in life? Because I have found the ability to literally cast away the negative things which have been absorbed inside of me. David HaMelech says, I could have easily lost myself in the negativity of life. And remember, David HaMelech, I always speak about this. David HaMelech had every single problem you could imagine. Right? Think about this just a moment. David has problems with his family growing up. David HaMelech has pretty significant Shalom Bayez problems. David HaMelech has pretty significant problems with his kids. I mean... No matter what you think your kids do, hopefully no one tried to kill you, right? David Amelech, right? Avshalom, his own son, tries to kill him. Right? He has problems with, with his son. David Amelech lost a child. His first, his first son with Bathsheba. The only problem David Amelech doesn't have is money, right? That's the advantage of being king. You're wealthy. So he doesn't struggle financially. But everything else and every other problem in life he has, and couple that with the familial baggage and everything else. So, what is, so what's the secret David? How did you do it? Any one of those things that David HaMelech dealt with is enough to sideline a person for the rest of their lives. Let alone, you have all of these issues. So what do you do? Ki avi vi'imi azavuni. I have left behind the mother and father. I've left behind the negative stuff that has gotten absorbed into me. You see, David HaMelech and Avram Avinu make the same journey. They just call the journey different things. By Avram Avinu, it's leave, Artsicha, your surroundings of the society you're in, Moladitcha, your pre- internal predispositions, wants and desires, Besavicha, your family, leave behind all the negative stuff. Avram did it, so did David. David left behind ultimately again a family that marginalized him. David HaMelech, again, the Gemara says, it's not an accident that David HaMelech was born with that ruddy complexion like Asaph David HaMelech could have become a Russia just like Asaph And he could have said, what am I supposed to do? I was born in Admoni. I was born ruddy. That was, that, that was my predisposition. David HaMelech made a choice to take that predisposition and channel it into something different. And ultimately, again, me beis Bezavicha, as we spoke about it before, the trauma and the tragedy of his familial life. David says, "You want to know how I became great? Ki avi viimi azavuni. I identified the arzucha moladitcha mi beisavicha in my life azavuni, and I left it behind. The journey to self-discovery. So, at the end of the day, if we come full circle, do you know why most of us just never end up engaging in the journey of self-discovery? Well, first reason is we're often just too busy." Right? We're just like, we're always all over the place, right? We're within a million different directions. That's probably reason number one. Reason number two is because the journey for self-discovery first begins with freeing yourself of the things that are holding you back. And the truth is, if we're honest, most of us either maybe we're not self-aware enough or maybe we're not courageous enough to identify the things that are holding you back and to finally let go of them. To identify my artzicha, my moladitcha, my mibe sabicha. And that's why tragically we never end up figuring out who is the Ani. Who am I? Who am I? So I go through life, I go through life with attributed identity. Attributed identity means identity that comes to me from external sources. I'm someone's father. I'm someone's husband. I'm someone's son. I'm someone Work for this one. I work for that one. That's attributed, external identity. And we never figure out the ani because I never find the courage of an Avram Avinu or the courage of a david Amelech to identify my Artzicha, my Moladetcha, my Mibes and then Lech, and then Azavuni, and then leave it behind. Until we have the courage to identify those three areas, that may, maybe not all three, maybe one of the three, maybe two or three, maybe three of the three, that hold me back and to let go of it, we can't ever discover who we truly are. And I think that it's an incredible lesson anytime, but I'll tell you something that's been on my mind a lot. You know, we speak about change very often, very often. And I think change is one of those things that we all like to say, yeah, change, change, change. And as my lips are saying change, often like what am I thinking on the inside? I'm not gonna change. I'm not gonna change, right? I, li- I like to talk about it. Yeah, it makes me feel good. We're gonna change. We're gonna do this. So, externally, you talk about change. Internally, maybe I believe it, maybe I don't. Here's the incredible thing we are living in times now where everything has changed. Everything has changed. The world as we know it has changed. Klaalisra has fundamentally changed the entire nature of a Yom tev, right? Shmini Seres as a day that we're going to celebrate going forward has forever changed. Thousands of lives. And when we say thousands, remember when you measure the ripple effect of thousands of lives, that's tens of thousands of lives within our people have forever been altered. The trajectory of Kral has been changed. We believe in a positive way. We believe that ultimately, again, whatever it is that's unfolding somehow is bringing us closer to Geula some way, somehow. But everything in our world has changed. The B'Achandah brings down that when you see great change happening in the world, it's an opportunity to connect with that on a Ruchni level. When you see dramatic change unfolding, I could tap into that worldly energy and affect change within myself as well. That's the power of this time. That's the power of these days. If we are living through days of unprecedented change, I know that phrase unprecedented has been overused since, you know, the beginning of the pandemic, right? But it's true. But it's true the winds of change are blowing and there's dramatic change sweeping over our people now. The change in the national fabric, the achdus we're seeing, right? We hope and we daven every day that America will continue long past this war. Something is different in the air. And if something is different in the air of this world, then we could tap into that. And maybe this is the time we could finally make the changes within ourselves. Maybe this is the time where we could identify our arzichah our, etcha, our Maybe this is the time where we can identify our internal avi, And we could finally say, you know what? Enough. Enough. I don't want to be held captive anymore by a negative chevra. I don't want to be held captive by my own deficiencies and handicaps and proclivities and predispositions. I don't want to be held hostage anymore by negative or toxic familial relationships. I'm ready to let it go. I'm ready to push it all, or at least some of it to the side. I'm ready to make my journey of Lech Lecha. My journey of self-discovery. My journey to discover my true self. It's a lesson that's true always, but I think it's especially true in the times in which we are living. And if we could internalize this lesson, and tap into this change, this change that we see happening around us, and find the strength of Avram Abinu, and find the strength of David HaMelech, And we could affect the necessary or begin to affect the changes that create the platform for finding the Ani, for finding the Lachlachah. Imagine what a that will create for our people. Imagine what an Aliyah will give to the neshamas of those who died, who were murdered al Kiddush Hashem. Imagine what chizik it will give to the 220 of our brothers and sisters whose fate is unknown languishing in Gaza. Imagine the chizik it'll give to our soldiers as they sit on the front lines of Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael, knowing, knowing that we, in our own little way, are tapping into these winds of change, are trying to become an Avram, are trying to become a David HaMelech. Imagine what we could do, not just for ourselves, but for our people, if we summon up the same courage that armavinu had, the same courage that David HaMelech had, we should be zolcha miyotza to journey to the self, but we should also recognize that that journey requires a pre journey. Not a journey to, but a journey away from the articha moladitcha besadicha, a journey away from the avi, viimi, a journey away from the things that are holding us back. that each of us should be Zochamir Sashem, to begin the journey towards the self. And that we should each be Sashem, to find the beauty, to find the holiness, and to find the light that resides within our personalistic ani. Okay, we'll stop over here for tonight. Shukai wonderful to be back with everyone. Hopefully next week we're going to try to be actually in the side room a little bit. We're also going to start a little bit more with some of the other Svarim. Shukai everyone, again, welcome back. Baruch HaShem, it's just to resume this year. Have a wonderful evening.